Welcome to the State Historical Society of North Dakota's podcast. In this episode, we talk with Mark Sunlove, Site Supervisor of the Ronald Reagan Minuteman Missile State Historic Site, a new site opening July 13th near Cooperstown, North Dakota. This new historic site will give visitors a glimpse into North Dakota's role in the Cold War and allow visitors to travel 60 feet below ground to see an actual nuclear launch control facility. Let's take a listen. On July 13th, uh, this summer 2009, we're going to open a brand new state historic site just north of Cooperstown. Uh, The official name for the site is the Ronald Reagan Minuteman Missile State Historic Site. And it was once, the site uh, was once part of the 321st Missile Wing, which was stationed in Grand Forks Air Force Base, North Dakota. During its operational heyday, the site uh, housed the staff, uh, the support staff, and the operational members of a Minuteman missile crew. Uh, These crews uh, stationed below ground, uh, approximately 60 feet in a hardened concrete bunker, were responsible for the retargeting and eventual launch uh, of the Minuteman missiles that were connected to their control center if need be. Um, Above ground on the the top side of the building was a support staff of security, uh, a chef, or a cook and a facility manager. And uh, the facility manager was responsible for day-to-day operations of the site, making sure that uh, things were well taken care of topside, that uh, all the machinery, like the diesel generator, was operating properly, that there was enough supplies for all the support staff topside and for the the missile crew that was in the control center uh, below ground. Uh, The FM took care of uh, all the general light maintenance on on the site and then made sure that uh, larger maintenance tasks were either uh, ordered and scheduled to happen at the site. The, the chef, obviously, another one of the support staff topside, was responsible for uh, providing meals to both the, the FM, uh, the, at least the six security forces which were stationed uh, topside consistently, and also to any maintenance teams that might travel to the site to either perform maintenance at the site itself or at any of its ten associated uh, missiles. Each of these sites was connected by cable and radio to 10 nuclear missiles. So the chef was responsible for making sure all these people were happy and well-fed. And then, of course, the the, the big concern in the missile field was the security of the missiles. Uh, To support that role, there was two security teams uh, topside at the what's called the Missile Alert Facility, which is the site. These two security teams uh, rotated day and night shifts, and they responded to any alarms that were received at the launch facilities that, that were, would have been received by the crew in the underground capsule. They then would be dispatched from the site to respond to the remotely located missiles. And they were um, responsible to a flight security controller who worked directly with the underground crew and made sure that all the security teams were dispatched properly and that the security of the DLFs, the launch facilities or missiles, and the missile alert facility was con- consistently maintained at the highest levels. And then, of course, downstairs was your uh, missile crew. This two-member crew was responsible for the day-to-day security and operation of the 10 nuclear missiles within their flight. At the Ronald Reagan Minuteman missile site, the facility there, the launch control center, was nicknamed Oscar Zero by the Air Force. And Oscar Zero was responsible for all of its Oscar missiles, uh, which was 10. So this Oscar crew would be uh, getting radio and 
cable messages from the missiles as far as the missile status, any kind of security problems at the missile, any kind of uh, maintenance or malfunctions of the missiles. The crew would respond to those indications immediately and either dispatch security teams or get maintenance teams to respond to the LFs or missiles and uh, get the problems fixed. Well, as uh, the years wore on, the site was, was built and established in the 1960s. By the 1990s, mostly due to START treaties, strategic uh, arms reduction talks, and the treaty that followed, uh, many of these bases uh, needed to be closed. And the 321st Missile Wing was one that was selected for closure in the mid-90s and then eventually closed in the, in the late 90s. When the site was closed in 1997, the State Historical Society of North Dakota worked in close cooperation with the Air Force to make sure that at least one of these sites was maintained for historical purposes. The other uh, 14, so there's a total of 15 launch control centers and missile alert facilities in the 321st Missile Wing were destroyed. The underground portions, all the sensitive material was removed and the underground portions were uh, filled in and basically destroyed. However, Oscar Zero was selected for to be saved and preserved by the uh, Air Force and the State Historical Society of North Dakota. Ten years later, in December of 2007, the State Historical Society finalized the deal with the Air Force and Oscar Zero uh, became property of the State Historical Society. Along with Oscar Zero came November 33. November 33 was one of the former launch facilities or one of the sites where the missile itself was located. These two sites now are, since December of 07, are property of the State Historical Society. And on July 13th of this year, we're going to open them up for tours. There's been some contract work out there to make sure that visits are safe and secure and that guests will have an enjoyable time. But uh, starting on July 13th, uh, guests can come out and visit Oscar Zero where they'll get a tour of the top ground portion of the site, which will include uh, the living facilities for the FM, the security forces, and the chef, the dining facilities, general living area, the recreational room, and then of course the flight security controller's office as well. So all these, this above ground portion will be toured by an interpretive guide, and then guests will be invited downstairs into the launch control center. They'll take an elevator approximately 60 feet underground where they'll visit first the Launch Control Equipment Building, which is a hardened underground bunker just next to the Launch Control Center, another hardened underground bunker. And inside the Launch Control Equipment Building was the diesel generator and uh, air conditioning unit, which ensured that the Launch Control Center always had power and always had air going to it to, for both crew comfort and survival and for uh, proper care of the equipment inside the Launch Control Center. So after visiting the Launch Control Equipment Building, guests will then move into the Launch Control Center. And this is where they'll see firsthand the front lines of the Cold War. They'll see the chairs that the missileers sat in. They'll see the, the panels which uh, the missileers would have controlled and received indications from their nuclear missiles and the instruments that they uh, would receive communication messages over and also the devices and panels that the crews would have used to launch these nuclear missiles in, in case they ever needed to be so. And thankfully, uh, that never happened. But uh, of course, the crews were there for over 30 years, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, making sure that the nuclear deterrent of the United States was always at its top capability.
So following the, the opening on July 13th, uh, there'll be a grand opening event, and that will be the last weekend of July, July 31st and August 1st. And there'll be a number of special events, and all this has been coordinated and, and worked on with the friends of Oscar Zero. So we're very excited about having guests out. It's a very unique experience. Uh, of course, one of North Dakota's newest historic sites. Um, so we're just happy that the site's finally up and running. We're proud to remember the military personnel and the civilian contractors that worked at these sites and finally get their story told, their critical story of the role that they played in, in the Cold War that the United States fought for most of the 20th century. Uh, until September 15th, the site will be open daily uh, from 10 a.m. until 6 p.m. Uh, Central Time. Well, that's it for this podcast episode. As always, you can find more information about the State Historical Society of North Dakota, the North Dakota Heritage Center, and the 55 state historic sites we manage by visiting history.nd.gov. Thanks for listening.